It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, I appreciate it. And I appreciate patrons to the program, such as David and Dan and Joshua, Christian, Stephanie, Casey, Mary, Ted, Elizabeth, Kathleen, Matt, and Jason. They became patrons to the program at thepetecalendershow.com. I will uh, give you a uh, full disclosure, disclaimer, and apology right out of the gate. They're putting siding on the house right next door, right outside this window. It's about 15 feet from my face. And so if uh, you hear hammering, I'm going to try my best again to minimize the exterior noise. But I apologize in advance. I will try to make sure that it is not as uh, distracting as it might otherwise be. Okay, let's get to the um, the Uniter. Joe Biden and his big unification speech where he called Republicans Jim Crow era racists uh, in a, you know, in obviously an olive branch outreach to his political opponents and to unify America. Um, Rich Lowry, writing at the National Review, said, if this is Joe Biden when he's forceful and passionate, the country is going to be better off with the passive and detached version. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. He does this and he, yeah, I mean, he is in a battle with his dentures or whatever. Like he has a problem articulating stuff and uh, he loses, uh, you know, his his train of thought as he's speaking off of the teleprompter. Um, but this speech, I watched it. I've now watched it uh, twice. And after the show is over here listening to the sound bites, I will have listened to it almost in its entirety. Uh, three straight times. And uh, I just don't know. Well, I kind of have an idea of the amount of blood that would be running in the streets right now if Donald Trump had made this speech due to the heads exploding inside the beltway. It would probably the blood would make its way down to uh, probably well, at least the lower, uh, you know, the lower five states on the eastern seaboard. I suspect that's how much blood we're talking about. So Joe Biden uh, said that, uh, look, all of this stuff, wait, sorry, he, he spends the first half of the speech ripping on Donald Trump, uh, because that's what you do when you uh, unify people. Um, the president, according to Rich Lowry, gave a thunderous address in Philadelphia this week denouncing alleged Republican voter suppression, playing on the darkest fears of Democrats and layering on the adjectival overkill. which he did. Biden blatantly distorted Republican state level election laws in a frankly demagogic speech. Biden now uh, rightfully excoriated former President Donald Trump, if not by name, but for his conduct since the election, saying it's been, quote, selfishness and not statesmanship. And Rich Lowry says, true enough. If Trump runs again in 2024 and loses again, There's no reason to believe that he would not, once again, claim that he was robbed, right? There's a good case for tightening up the convoluted Electoral Count Act that might be used by partisans of Trump or some other Republican or Democratic candidate in the future to try to change an election outcome at the federal level, right? But that's not what Biden talked about. Instead, he lashed uh, lashed the Republicans' uh, election bills. 
the approach seems designed to mirror Donald Trump's effort to undermine his side's faith in the electoral process with a countervailing effort to undermine his own side's faith in the electoral process. <laughs> if <laughs> Indeed, if Democrats lose in 2022 or 2024, Biden's speech may be seen by Democrats as providing an equally corrosive excuse that it was Republican voter suppression. Right. This is the point. This is the entire point, the charge of voter suppression. It is a powerful partisan motivator. This is what the Democrats will use in order to motivate their base to get out and vote. This is the point. This is the entire point. Well, I shouldn't say the entire point, because if they were actually to implement some of the stuff that they want to implement as part of the For the People Act, then uh, it would ensure them uh, you know, a lasting uh, reign as the uh, the party in power, which is what they want. I don't think, though, that they believe it actually can happen. Um, they've been disabused of this now multiple times in various ways. Uh, maybe there are some, you know, dead enders that think that they can actually still get this bill passed. But I think at this point, it's just lip service. Um, and uh, David Harsani actually writes about this very well, I thought, at National Review um, in a longer piece, uh, Joe Biden's shameful voting rights speech. He says Republican anti-voting laws, President Joe Biden claimed during his demagogic speech at the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia, are the most significant threat to our democracy since the Civil War, he said. These laws are odious, pernicious, vicious, unconscionable, a subversion and suppression, the 21st century Jim Crow, and the sure sign of an emerging autocracy. Biden's fabricated panic offers lots of space for hyperbole, but precious little room for specifics. David says, I was prepared to fact check his uh, contentions about the new election laws, but the president offered very few details. Maybe even he comprehends that most Americans would probably find voter integrity laws rather innocuous. So uh, the first part of his speech um, covered basically... Uh, Donald Trump and you know his refusal to accept the outcome and how dare he and he's undermining the democracy and he's an autocrat he's a fascist all that that was the whole first half of the speech the second half of the speech was Donald was uh, Joe Biden trying to undermine confidence in the election process <laughs> and trying to ram through a bill uh, that he supports that would create uh, an autocracy for the Democrats you see um Here he is. He says that uh, every single challenge that has been brought by Joe Biden or sorry, by Donald Trump. I don't know why I keep confusing these two there. Anyway, um, all of the challenges uh, have been rejected, he says, by all of these different courts and jurisdictions. More than 80 judges, including those appointed by my predecessor, heard the arguments in every case. Neither cause nor evidence was found undermine the national achievement of administering the historic election in the face of such extraordinary challenges. Audits, recounts were conducted in Arizona and Wisconsin. In Georgia, it was recounted three times. It's clear for those who challenge the results and question the integrity of the, the election, no other election has ever been held under such scrutiny and such high standards. The big lie is just that, a big lie. 
it's uniting, you see, to call your opponents the equivalent of Nazis. The 2020 election, it's not hyperbole, suggests the most examined and the fullest expression of the will of the people in the history of this nation. This should be celebrated, an example of America at its best. But instead, we continue to see an example of human nature at its worst, something darker and more sinister. In America, if you lose, you accept the results. You follow the Constitution. Wait, what? Wait, hang, hang on a second. Is he aware of what happened in 2016 with, uh, with Hillary Clinton? Is he aware what happened in 2018 with Stacey Abrams? Is he aware what happened in 2000 with Al Gore? Is he aware what happened in 2004 with John Kerry? Uh, yeah. He's a hypocrite. Try again. You don't call facts fake and then try to bring down the American experiment just because you're unhappy. That's not statesmanship. That's not statesmanship. That's selfishness. That's not democracy. It's the denial of the right to vote. It's, it's not the denial of the right to vote. It's people that believe that the election has been stolen and they don't believe you when you say it wasn't. And they don't believe the institutions that uh, the left has so corrupted over the last few decades. So they don't believe anybody. And so and because they know that you would lie to them and you would. You would. If it was clear that there was widespread fraud, you would lie. And the media would help you lie about it. And if you don't believe me, I would turn your attention to the Russia collusion hoax, the Steele dossier. Media knew. The institutions and agencies of government knew. They didn't care. They promoted lies. Nobody trusts you anymore. You are reaping what you have sown. Now, speaking of reaping, you can uh, reap a really great deal at Mattress Man Stores. It's true. Mattressmanstores.com. Four locations in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Uh, you can get free box springs when you buy a mattress from the Biltmore Collection. You can get a king for the price of a queen. Uh, they've got um, king adjustable base set. You can finance this stuff for like $27 a month. No interest for 72 months, which is like six years. What a deal. $27 a month for a bed. And an adjustable base, the whole set. It's amazing. Five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, a 120-day comfort guarantee. And uh, they've, uh, as I said, four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Online at mattressmanstores.com. Locally owned and operated. They've got tons of flexible financing options. Uh, Synchrony Finance, get, they offered zero down and zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. So you don't even have to wait for your new mattress. You can actually apply for the financing, get qualified, pre-approved online before you even go to the store. That's peace of mind. It speeds up the whole process, too. So go to mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link, uh, and you can apply right there. You can also check out the inventory, all of the deals. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. Next up, in his hallmark style of inspiring unity, Joe Biden then pivoted to equating Republicans to the KKK. The denial of full and free and fair elections is the most un-American thing 
than any of us can imagine. The most undemocratic, the most unpatriotic, and sadly, not unprecedented. From denying enslaved people full citizenship until the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments after the Civil War, to denying women the right to vote until the 19th Amendment 100 years ago. It's not just me, right? You hear the slurring that's occurring there, right? You can hear that. Like, like he can't articulate. And he was always a very good articulator. <laughs> he was. Uh, his enunciation was always very good as a public speaker. And now he seems to have lost that. It could be the fact that he's a million years old. Um, but it's obvious to me. The poll taxes and literacy tests and the Ku Klux Klan campaigns. The, wait, wait, the what? What? The poll taxes and literacy tests and the Ku Klux Klan campaigns. The poll taxes and literacy tests and the Ku Klux Klan campaigns of violence and terror. What, what was that there, Chief? Click, <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It's not funny. It'll probably happen to me, too. It lasted in the 50s and 60s. Okay. By the way, all Democrats. Just want to point that out. All the Democrats. All the stuff he just listed, all done by Democrats. Not that it matters to any of these people who are trying to, you know, incite unity not fear, right? Those who are trying to inspire people to come together and to view each other as fellow Americans, not someone who's trying to drive wedges based on um, uh, racial identitarianism. No, no, no. To the Supreme Court decision in 2013, and then again just two weeks ago, a decision that weakened the landmark Voting Rights Act to the willful attacks, election attacks in 2020. What? And then a whole other level of threat, the violence and the deadly insurrection on the Capitol on January 6th. Right. So the January 6th riot, that has to that has to keep uh, they have to keep that in the in focus. That has to be the central argument in everything for the next year. And by the way, this is why one of the reasons I was very upset about what I saw occurring on January 6th was because I knew immediately you guys are giving the Democrats all that they need now to do whatever they want. All they have to do is say January 6th. There's an old, um, what, what, what was the show? Uh, family Guy. Um, yeah, Family Guy, where I think it was the, well, maybe it was the Simpsons, but I think it was Family Guy where one of them is running for office and all they just keep saying is 9-11. <laughs> She's running for local office. And at first she gave like a really great campaign speech and everybody was moved by it. And then like each speech she gives, she realizes that as soon as she says 9-11, everybody just starts applauding. And so over the course of her campaign, she just whittles the entire speech down to like four words and then 9-11 and everybody applauds. And that's what he's doing here. Everything is about January 6th. Right? Like, that's all he has to say now. And that is enough for the Democratic base. That ends the president. So all he has to do is say, it's the president, the president. And then he's good to go. That's all. He says uh, he has a plan, though, to save our democracy. And it is the same plan he had to save all of the kids from being locked up in cages on the southern border. Yeah, he's going to put Kamala Harris in charge. Vice President Harris and I have spent our careers doing this work. And I've asked her to lead, to bring people together, to protect the right to vote in our democracy. And it starts with continuing the fight to pass H.R. 1, the For the People Act. 
It's for the people, you know. What could go wrong? Well, I mean, how could it be bad? It's for us. I'm a people, right? It's for us. And so it's for me. So I obviously must approve of this. Back to David Hassani's piece, he says, Biden also must have sensed how preposterous his hyperbole sounded, littering his speech with a whole bunch of literallys and for reals. None of the voting laws passed in the 17 states. Now, some are drafted better than others, but none of them come anywhere in the vicinity of authoritarian. And to compare photo ID laws to Jim Crow is to cheapen history. Then again, Biden doesn't have a problem using Goebbels' big lie formulation either, the kind of Nazi reference that Democrats pretend to be upset by when it's used by Republicans. Have you noticed this, that that Democrats, they, they clutch the pearls and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that she said something about the Holocaust. How dare you? We need censure. We need to remove her from office, right? But they're free to keep saying the big lie, the big lie, the big lie, which is, right, calling your opponents Nazis, because that's what the big lie was, right? Not only didn't we hear much from Biden about how these autocratic laws work, we didn't even hear much about how H.R. 1 proposes to save democracy. The closest the president came to offering any specifics was to claim that the new voter laws somehow legalize the intimidation of voters and the tossing of legal ballots. Both of these things are already illegal, right? Both of these things, they're already illegal. Unless, of course, you're a Black Panther Party member, uh, sorry, new Black Panther Party member in Philadelphia, in which case then you are allowed to intimidate voters at the polling stations. But anywhere else, it's already illegal. You cannot throw away legal ballots. You cannot intimidate voters, okay? Most requirements that are found in the For the People Act have actually never existed in most states. So how could failing to implement them bring us to the edge of the abyss? Does that mean we're already there? We're already at the edge of the abyss based on all of the laws that are right now on the books, that this is the abyss ledge? I had no idea. What about the states that are run by Democrats? Are they on the edge of the abyss too? Biden claimed that those objecting to this new voting regime are a bigger threat to freedom than the Confederacy. Yeah, he said this because after all, the Confederates never sacked the Capitol. Like, this is so stupid. It really is so stupid. We are all dumber for having heard what he says, which is why I'm going to play another soundbite. He claims without evidence... See, that's what I'm saying now, by the way, because that's what they said about Donald Trump all the time whenever they would cover anything he says. Or it's now um, it's now gone on to um, this uh, device, this journalisming device is now used uh, when covering all Republicans. If they say something and the reporter doesn't like what they say, they will throw something in there like without evidence. So-and-so says without evidence, they feel the need to throw that in whenever a Republican is being quoted. So I'm going to use it now for Biden all the time. Biden claimed without evidence that the For the People Act would end voter suppression in the states, that it would end voter suppression in the states, among other things. Get dark money out of politics. Give voice to the people at the grassroots level. Create a fair district maps and end partisan political gerrymandering. Last month, Republicans opposed even debating, even considering for the People's Act. <laughs> Senate Democrats stood united to protect our democracy and the sanctity of the vote. We must pass the For the People Act. 
It's a national imperative. National imperative that this gets passed. We are right now living under a really suppressive state. Even if you're in a state run by Democrats, we're, we are being suppressed, everybody. And the, the reason we're being suppressed is based on all of these laws that were on the books already. Not even new laws. This is the other thing, and he'll cite this in a bit, um, where he talks about all of the, the hundreds of laws that have been proposed. And they just lump all of those together as if they are all suppression. And they're not. The, that's just the total number of laws that, like, the Brennan Center, liberal uh, center, Brennan Center, that they counted. They just counted up all the laws and some like like honestly, you're going to say, okay, we're going to set the hours for early voting. It was uh, six hours a day and now we're going to set it at 10 hours a day. And they call that a suppressive law just because it's a it's a change. Any change to whatever the law is, they count as suppression. It's asinine. It is just stupid. Um, Next up here, we've got Joe Biden um, saying that the DOJ under Attorney General Merrick Garland would be suing states over their voting laws. The focus will be on dismantling racially discriminatory laws like the recent challenge to Georgia's vicious anti-voting law. Vicious, vicious. The Department of Justice will do so with a voting rights division that my request is doubling its size and enforcement staff. Ooh, that must be twice as good. Twice as good, double. Civil rights groups and other organizations have announced their plans to stay vigilant and challenge these odious laws in the courts. In Texas, for example, Republican-led state legislature wants to allow partisan poll watchers to intimidate voters and imperil and, and impartial uh, poll workers. They want voters to die further <laughs> and illegal. be able to be in a position where they wonder who's watching them. And well, all right, so he's mangling the English language there. So that's the intimidation. They, they, they want to allow voter intimidation. It's already illegal. You cannot intimidate voters. What he's talking about is that uh, entities would be able to staff poll watchers instead of just being like volunteers from the neighborhood kind of a thing. Like you'd be able to have organizations go out there and have more poll watchers, which like it does make me wonder, why are you guys worried about people watching the polls? What's up with that? Well, we're worried about intimidation. Well, you weren't worried about the new Black Panther Party in Philadelphia. So why are you worried about poll watchers? Weren't they just poll watching? And if that's the standard, then I think there's a lot of room under that standard, right? If you're allowed to have a couple people standing there with bats at the door, um, then I'm I'm pretty sure uh, the, and dressed in like uh, you know sort of like the uh, the modern um, uh, you know LARPing guerrilla warfare kind of uh, uh, attire. Uh, if that's the you know with the beret and the trench coat and all that with the bat, if that's if that's sort of like uh, the line, which I don't even know if that's the line, but that that didn't warrant any kind of an investigation or charges of voter intimidation. So if that's the line that we can go up to, I think we're going to be okay. I think there's a lot of room under there for a lot of people to observe the polls. Now observe the great deals at General Equipment Rental. You can do so at their website, generalrents.com, or you can observe in person at their store in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations, a general equipment rental. Okay, they've got all of your equipment rental needs from big stuff to little stuff. Okay, but usually it's the big stuff. Let's be honest, right? You're going to general equipment rental because you want like the big earth mover, right? You want something that's going to do a lot of stuff, big, heavy stuff, and they've got it and they'll show you how to use it too. 
because I would very much like to rent some of these pieces of equipment, but I would have no idea <laughs> how to turn them on or how to turn them or how to make the front end loader go up or down or whatever. But they can they can go over all of that with you. They also are your source for Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment. Uh, I've got a weed eater from Husqvarna. It's actually I, I set the battery up to be charging uh, this morning because uh, I intend to do some weed whacking. Uh, within the next 24 hours, if it will ever stop raining. Okay, uh, they also have chainsaws and uh, hedge clippers and blowers, and they've got the auto mower. The uh, It's like a Roomba for your yard. It rides all around and cuts the grass all the time, and it looks like a little Batmobile. Um, it's like a pet. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like your, it's like your uh, technological automated self-driving pet just riding around in the yard. Um, they've got tons of stuff there. Go check out the website for the deals. 10% off your first rental as well. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. Back to Joe Biden's comments here where he was talking about the, uh, the increased enforcement and litigation. Uh, they're going to be going after the states for having the temerity to try to secure their elections. Intimidating to wait longer to vote, to drive a hell of a lot long, excuse me, a long way f- to get oh, to vote. He's in hell. Oh, he's in hell. Really? Like that? What flavor ice cream are you getting, Mr. President? Chocolate, chocolate chip. Oh. This is the kind of coverage we get of Joe Biden. They want to make it so hard and inconvenient that they hope people... Don't vote at all. That's what this is about. No. This year alone, 17 states have enacted, not just proposed, but enacted, 28 new laws to make it harder for Americans to vote. No, they didn't. See, that's the thing. Again, you take, he's, all they're doing is taking the total number of new laws that were passed and saying that they all make it harder to vote. And they don't. They do not. Some of the laws that were passed, like, for example, in Georgia... They simply codified certain rules that were put in place during the pandemic that made it easier to vote, right? That's not a law that suppresses. They, they instituted emergency laws for the pandemic, like with the drop boxes and such, right? And then after the election was over, now they've gone through with, in the general uh, legislature down there, they've gone through and uh, proposed like rules around how those boxes should uh, uh, where they should be located, how long they should be open and available, and uh, when do you collect them, right? They've codified them. That is not a restriction, unless, of course, you're going to look at all laws as restrictions, which they are. I mean, look, every single law is a restriction of some kind. I've gone over this before, but apparently a lot of people don't understand the concept. Not you, of course, dear listener, because you know you're listening to the podcast. You've heard me already talk about this, right? You've heard me say these things that are obviously true, they are quite obviously true, that any kind of a law is restrictive by nature, okay? That's why you set up laws in the first place, because otherwise there is no law, and that is anarchy, right? A lack of law (laughs) is anarchy. The rule of law puts in place certain restrictions, so you can't, for example, just go and murder people, right? You can't just go kill them, much like you can't go and vote multiple times in an election. That's a restriction. But oh my gosh, what what kind of suppression effort is this? I can't vote as many times as I want to. Stop suppressing my vote. This is the level of discourse that we are being forced 
to listen to. <laughs> God, we're, oh my gosh, we, we live in such stupid times. Not to mention, and catch this, nearly 400 additional bills Republican members of the state legislatures are trying to pass. No, 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. So this is what is so disgusting. Uh, as the president is saying this stuff, you're, you're calling half of the country racists. He's, he's grotesque is what he is. It's grotesque. Um, and he's not called out on this by uh, the media, which I'm not, look, I don't expect them to. I point it out just to point it out because they are the PR arm of the Democratic Party now. He can say these things and the media, you know, applauds like the seals they are and um, they agree. That's why they don't see anything wrong with what he's saying. He said Republicans are engaged in a new pernicious forms of suppression. Pernicious forms of suppression is what they said. It's no longer just about who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible voters to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote. Who gets to count whether or not your vote counted at all. It's about moving from independent election administrators who work for the people to polarized state legislatures and partisan actors who work for political parties. All right. So I think... This is a reference to the Georgia Secretary of State or in or some states have elected officials that are in charge of the process like that. I think Florida also may have something like that. This has been going on for a long time, right? 2000. Uh, what was her name? Uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, in, um, in Florida, the Secretary of State during the 2000 uh, recount. And she was, you know, she was uh, uh, just vilified as uh, as the devil um, because of the the way the outcome went for George W. Bush over Al Gore. So I, I think this is what he's talking about. But let me just point out real quickly in North Carolina, our board of elections is appointed by the governor and they hire that. And so that's a partisan appointed board. They then hire an elections director. And that elections director in this case is Karen Brinson Bell. And she was a partisan as well. So don't tell me that it's the Republicans that are somehow trying to, uh, you know, install partisan actors to administer elections when states like North Carolina has been, we've been engaged in that sort of a template for a long time. And the Republicans actually tried to undo this and Governor Cooper sued them in order to stop them from implementing reforms to make it a bipartisan endeavor. He sued them, and he won, and so now we still have uh, the partisan system in place. To me, this is simple. This is election subversion. It's the most dangerous threat to voting and the integrity of free and fair elections in our history. Never before have they decided who gets to count. Count. What votes count. <laughs> He's just some some state legislators <laughs> want to make it harder for you to vote. And if you vote, they want to be able to tell you your vote doesn't count for any reason they make up. That's not true either. They want the ability to reject the final count and ignore the will of the people if their preferred candidate loses. And they're trying not only targeting people of color. They're targeting voters of all races and backgrounds. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Right, hang on. That's a this is an interesting admission. 
So the Republicans are not just targeting minority voters. They're targeting all voters, all voters. So but I thought, wait, hang on. You said this was Jim Crow 2.0. So are you saying that Jim Crow 2.0 is against everybody that's a a Democrat? Is that the idea here? It's not just. So Jim Crow 2.0 is the modern incarnation of a democratic law that now targets all Democrats and not just minorities. Doesn't that undermine the entire premise of calling it Jim Crow 2.0 if you're going to say that it targets everybody? That's it's inclusive. See, Republicans are just being inclusive on their on their suppression efforts. That's all. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, Hey, uh, have you looked up at your roof recently? Probably not. Most people don't. You don't even pay it any mind until all of a sudden something starts happening, starts leaking or something, right? Well, uh, don't wait for that to happen. Call my friends at Balkan Roofing. They will come on out and give you a free estimate. If there's any work that needs to be done, they're going to tell you what it is. And if there isn't, they're going to tell you that, too. But usually you can kind of tell that something is wrong. If you just kind of walk around the roof, walk, walk around the house, and look at the shingles. And here's a good sign. If you're seeing gaps in the shingles, like where wind has gotten in there and loosened them. And so usually that'll kind of look like a shingle is, uh, it's kind of like, not, it's not straight, right? It's kind of like drifting down on one side. It's it's a skew, if you will. It's askance. It's, anyway, um, you'll you'll know. It's not like a nice straight line. And that means probably the nail has come out that's been holding it. And that's actually a big problem here in the mountains because the wind comes in, these straight line winds come in and they, they lift up the shingles. They get underneath and they, they lift them up and then they slap them down, lift them up and slap them down. And over time, it loosens the nails or rips the shingle right out of the nail. So um, have them come on out. They'll take a look at your roof and give you a free estimate. And if you do need a new roof, you can get one for as low as $69 a month. With the financing from Balkan Roofing. That's B A L K E N Roofing.com. Their phone number is 6280390. That's 6280390. Balkanroofing.com. Tell them you heard it here on the podcast. I appreciate that. 6280390. Balkanroofing.com. Back to Joe Biden and his unifying speech. With a simple target. Who did not vote for them? That's the target. It's unconscionable. It's unconscionable. Just I mean, unconscionable. It's hard, to, it's, it's hard to declare just how critical this is. It's simply unconscionable. <laughs> He's really trying to make you understand. Look, look, for real. Like, this isn't hyperbole, Jack. Come on, man. Do you get it? This is just unconscionable. Like, you really need to understand what I'm saying here. This is big stuff. It's big doings. It's a big effing deal. He said that we're going to need the GOP to do what we want as well. We'll be asking my Republican friends in Congress and states and cities and counties to stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and the sacred right to vote. So the strategy there is, come on, man. What are you, a racist? Do what I want or you're a racist. Come on, man. Have you no shame? <laughs> so unifying. I'm, I'm just, I'm unified all over the place here. Whether it's stopping foreign interference in our elections or the spread of disinformation from within, we have to work together. Vice President Harris and I will be making it clear that there's real peril in making raw power 
rather than the idea of liberty, the centerpiece of the common life. Founders understood this. The women of Seneca Falls understood this. The brave, heroic foot soldiers of the Civil Rights Movement understood this. So must we. This isn't about Democrats or Republicans. <laughs> yes, it it's is. literally about who we are as Americans. It's that basic. All right. He said there that line that he kind of mangled, he muffed the delivery. Real peril in there is real peril in making raw power rather than liberty the centerpiece of the common life. There's real peril in making raw power rather than liberty the centerpiece of the common life, which is kind of hilarious as he's promoting HB1 and Senate Bill 1, right? The For the People Act, which is a raw power grab. That's what that bill is. They are guilty of that which they accuse you. He claimed he's not preaching or being sentimental here. He's not preaching. He's not being sentimental here. There's no hyperbole here. He's just giving it to us straight like he promised he would. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote and fair and free elections, an assault on democracy, an assault on liberty, an assault on who we are, who we are as Americans. For make no mistake, bullies and merchants of fear, peddlers of lies, are threatening the very foundation of our country. It gives me no pleasure to say this. Mm -hmm. I never thought in my entire career I'd ever have to say it. But I swore an oath to you, to God, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that forms a sacred trust to defend America against all threats, both foreign and domestic. Do, do you get the idea that there are a lot of Democrats that really, really, really want a domestic war on terrorism? <laughs> I'm, I do. I think there are a lot of people on the left that very much want to turn the apparatus of the state against their political opponents. I think they've wanted this for a very long time because they believe that now is their chance because they're in control of it. Of course, they never think what will happen if they lose control of the Leviathan once they unleash it. Thank you. I thought it was a good point as well. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. It's not hyperbole. <laughs> it is. It actually is hyperbole. If you think <laughs> this is the biggest threat since the Civil War, uh, you're an idiot or you think we are. Uh, well, okay, third option, uh, it could both be true. They could both be true. <laughs> He's an idiot, and he thinks we are. Uh, that's possible. Now, don't be an idiot. If you are trying to buy or sell a house, call my friend Rowena Patton, and she will do it for you. She'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. This is what she does. Uh, she has buyers already lined up. If you are looking to purchase a home, she has homes in all price points. She's the only agent I would use to buy or sell a house. She's the official and only Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. 
This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the Realtor Commissions. This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military, so veterans, active duty, and retirees. She's given back so far about $800,000 to local folks in those professions. You can be one of them. Give her a call, 828-333-4483. That's uh, 828-333-4483 and Mountain homehunt.com give her a call and then start packing back to david harsani's piece at national review uh he says uh, biden's speech was little more than performative politics his agenda is stalled his hyperbole was meant to telegraph to progressive groups that he's fighting that's the purpose that's one purpose the second purpose he says is that this was meant to preemptively corrode trust in the 2022 and 2024 elections. That's the other reason. And I agree with David on that one for sure. This is the this is the point. Democrats have pretended for the last year that uh, they're the ones who believe in the electoral process. They're the protectors of the democracy. They're the ones who love the institutions. They love the uh, the electoral process and the voting process. They love all of these things. And you know, it's the it, it's the heathens, the Republicans, the, the the you know the the Huns at the gate. There, can I say that? I'm gonna. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be. Uh, you know, a cultural supremacist here or anything. But they're the ones. These attackers. These. Republicans, the Trumpkins, they're the ones trying to destroy it all. Yet, you would, in order to believe that, you would have to have not paid any attention to any of the elections or the outcomes and the reactions to those outcomes any time prior to 2020, right? Because you and I both know, we have seen, I've already mentioned Hillary, I've already mentioned them, right? We have seen time and again Democrats undermining confidence in the system. They do it in all sorts of ways. They do it by stripping away voter integrity measures. They do it by fighting voter integrity measures. They do it by, quote, making it easier to vote, which, of course, also makes it easier to commit fraud, right? When you make something easier to do, you open up ways for abuses to occur. And everybody with half a brain knows this. This is why voter ID is wildly popular. Most people support voter ID to the point that now even Democrats have had to say, oh, I'm actually not even really opposed to voter ID all this time. We were just opposed to the way it was implemented. And by that, they mean every single way it's implemented everywhere. That's that's what they mean. It's just dishonest. They're just liars on this. So the purpose of this speech is to help corrode trust in the next election. Biden spent the first part of the speech talking and bragging about how the U.S. had just conducted the cleanest election in history. He was grousing about efforts to undermine trust in the voting system. And then he spent the rest of the time doing exactly that. Many of the Democrats who cannot stop talking about the horrors of Trump's big lie had no compunction disputing results in Georgia or the presidential election only a few years ago. Now they're creating a ready-made justification for delegitimizing any Republican victory. This is what they're going to say. What, what did I say about the last election, right? I looked at the lawsuits that Mark Elias and the Democratic Party was filing all over the state or all over the nation, swing states targeted, uh, Republican-led swing states that were targeted. And I said, this is done as a preemption. This is done in order to till the field 
so the lawsuits can take root after the election. This is why they were doing it. And I have no doubt that's what's occurring right now. You're branding every single election reform measure that by and large were proposed and are are being run right now because of the actions of Mark Elias and these Democratic lawsuits that were filed, right? That's why Republican-led legislatures are trying to shore up their systems is because they saw the way y'all attacked them last year. And now they're like, we need to put some codes in place, some laws in place to prevent the Democrats from abusing the system again if there's not a pandemic, that they used the pandemic last year in order to implement rules that would help them. And it turns out because Joe Biden you know, got more votes and he got the Electoral College votes that uh, they didn't need to uh, file all of the lawsuits. Right. And the Republican Party was caught, I would submit, very flat footed and uh, not prepared to file a bunch of lawsuits. You know, you got to if you're not going to play by the rules that the Democrats are playing by right now, I I, I suspect you're going to lose. Like and by the way, I recognize like I have become radicalized in this way because of the actions of the Democrats over the last decade. So like I I was one I was like, no, 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 we don't want to stoop to their level at this point now. I, I don't think you I don't think you survive. Right. If you are in a street fight, I don't think that you get to. Uh, have the luxury of only fighting, quote, fair. If you lose, you die, right? If that's the if that's the um, the outcome here that we're looking at, then I think you fight on the terms that they're presenting. He says that the fact is, it is easier to vote today than ever before. And it is. It is easier to vote today than ever before. And anybody who calls any of these voting laws Jim Crow 2.0 They either think you're an idiot or they are, uh, or both. President Biden's implicit promise to turn down the temperature and restore normal patterns of rhetoric to the presidency can no longer be taken seriously after the ridiculous episode of hyperventilation disguised as a speech. This is Kyle Smith at National Review, who says it was unbecoming of a president and was much more along the lines of what you'd expect to see in an opinion piece issued by Paul Krugman, the squad of far-left congresswomen, or Teen Vogue. This speech was a disaster for anybody who'd like Americans as a whole to recover faith in our institutions and return to believing that our elections are fair. Biden is an angry, divisive, hyper-partisan demagogue who can never again be viewed as a man of temperate instincts. That's Kyle Smith at the National Review. Now, if you are in the market for some real U.S. military surplus, then I have got the recommendation for you. Old Grouch's military surplus. Speaking of institutions, Old Grouch has been around for more than 30 years in downtown Clyde. Tim's dad started it up. He was the OG Old Grouch, the OG OG, if you will, the OG squared. Tim is sort of the new Old Grouch, and um, he's always getting new stuff in. So you got to go back and check out the shop. Um, It's right there on Main Street. Uh, Right next door is a boutique gift and clothing shop as well. So if you're on your way to, uh, you know, Maggie Valley or Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg or Cherokee or Asheville, you can just hop off the interstate, exit 27 off I-40 and head on into downtown Clyde and check out some of the shops and Old Grouch's Military Surplus Shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So let's take a look at what the left says the For the People Act would do. This is from The Intercept by John Schwartz. He says, 
the For the People Act is plausibly the most important legislation considered by Congress in decades. It would change the basic structure of U.S. politics, making it far more small d democratic. This is what the revolution requires. There to be complete small d democracy, right? Has to be democratic like this. Um, that is not what we were founded on. We, we are a constitutional republic. It matters. So when the left tells you they want to dismantle that system, listen to them and believe them. He says the bill makes illegal essentially all of the anti-enfranchisement tactics perfected by the right over the past decades. It then creates a new infrastructure to permanently bolster the influence of regular people. Now, whenever you hear a leftist talking like this, you know it's partisan. Whenever they're, whenever they're talking about the people, you know it's a partisan power grab. The bill's provisions, he says, largely fall into three categories. First, it makes it far easier to vote, both by eliminating barriers, a.k.a. protections, and enhancing basic outreach to citizens. In other words, signing up everybody to vote, whether they are allowed to vote or not. Second, it makes everyone's vote count more equally, especially by reducing gerrymandering, which, again, this is what Democrats want because they think they will win if you get rid of uh, redistricting that in any way, shape or form does not give them the majority of seats in any particular state. That is that's the goal here. They want all of the Democrat states to be all uh, Democrat seats and they want all of the purple states to be all Democrat seats as well. Okay, maybe they'll give one to the Republicans. Remember, when Democrats talk about fair maps, they're talking about maps that they get to control, that they get to win. Those are, quote, fair maps for them. Third, it hugely amplifies the power of small political donors, allowing them to match and possibly swamp the power of big money. What is this last part about? This is taxpayer-funded campaigns. That's what this is. And they do it. I will give them credit uh, for uh, it's a unique concept. I will say that. But um, it's like right now, if you and he gives this example of like, you know, you're a politician and you go to this one dinner party and they like they, they got 30 people there or whatever, or 50 people, and they all give you this massive amount of money apiece. And so you're not going to spend your time going to a uh, a dinner party, you know, uh, at someone's house uh, when they're just giving you 50 bucks a pop, when you can go to this other dinner party where you can get like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And and I get it like that's a fair this is a fair criticism of the uh, sort of the life of a congressman where they're spending all their time raising money, uh, the windowless basement, as Chuck Schumer would call it. So this proposal would allow for congressional candidates to opt in to a system that would provide matching funds for small donations. So to qualify, the candidate would need to raise $50,000 from at least 1,000 individuals, and they have to take no more than $1,000 from any single contributor, and they can spend no more than $50,000 of their own money. Okay, And in return for that, in return for agreeing to those restrictions, all donations to the candidate up to $200 would be matched with public funds by a six to one ratio. So if you gave $10 to somebody running for Congress that had agreed to all of those restrictions, they would get $60 from taxpayers. So $70 
total. Maryland Democratic Representative John Sarbanes, the House sponsor, has explained that based on his own experience and what he has witnessed of his colleagues' behavior, uh, this would change the core incentives for politicians. He says, you know, now uh, you can get 30 people at a party at someone's house. They each pony up 50 bucks. And um, right now that would be just $1,500. That's not enough to entice a politician to go there. But if you got a six to one match, now it's like, that $1,500 now becomes $10,500, and that makes the candidate more likely to go hang out in your living room and talk to all of your neighbors and friends. Um, and he says, you are creating an active, engaged group of people around your campaign, and that can be worth two to three points. That's the difference in a close election. And again, like I understand that's a it's a pretty unique idea, although I don't really understand why the people with the big pockets wouldn't just up their donations. <laughs> Why they wouldn't just spend more, right? Why couldn't they do that, right? They could. If you don't take the, if you don't agree to the restrictions ahead of time, you just keep talking to them and they'll, they'll make sure they pay you way more money. There's also another component here. This in and of itself may be fine, but when you go into the For the People Act and you go dig deep inside, you find out that... The For the People Act allows politicians to use campaign funds for personal use. <laughs> so now you've created a system where people can go to your living room. They can get the six to one taxpayer funded match. And under the provision called the Help America Run Act, the bill legalizes what had previously been considered a violation of federal law. It allows candidates for federal office to use campaign donations for personal expenses such as child care as long as they do not already hold federal office so if you're running for office but don't win you get to use all that taxpayer funded donation for these types of expenses for personal expenses and you can argue that that's necessary in order to get good people to run for the office but it is a fundamental shift in the way campaigns are funded this would allow people to just run, never win, and get their expenses taken care of. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. We'll talk with you later, and don't break anything while I'm gone. Music.